Well, good afternoon. It's Saturday, uh, April the 18th, and it looks like you could build a snowman today. Uh, interesting weather. Uh, might be part of that new thing they call global warming. I'm not a scientist. I won't get into that. Uh, for a few minutes this morning, I, or this afternoon, I want to uh, uh, present a lesson. It comes from our uh, Thursday evening Bible class book, The Orange Book. And I know some are using that in their study right now, and others are using uh, a different book, and that's okay. It'll all come together eventually. Uh, the Orange Book is a uh, uh, very concentrated book, goes into detail, uh, as you well know by now, uh, true and false, fill in the blanks, yes and no, uh, and look up the Bible challenge. But I thought I would pull some of the uh, stories out of there and present some lessons on them. And one we're familiar with is uh, the story of Cain and Abel. I was going to record this last weekend, but I had a, a few noise difficulties and uh, uh, finally had to stop the recording and uh, I chose to do something else. But uh, the lesson comes out of Genesis, the fourth, fourth chapter, verse 1. And Eve makes the statement, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And from there, Genesis 4 moves very quickly from the birth of Cain and Abel right up to the time where they're bringing a sacrifice in Genesis 4, 3, and 4. And in the process of, of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, both brothers had uh, the unique and awesome opportunity to actually communicate verbally with their Creator. When you think for a moment about the upbringing of Cain and Abel with the attitude that Eve had right at the beginning, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord, and she and Adam had been very close to uh, the Lord God, and you would think and believe, and I'm sure they did, that that they uh, taught Cain and Abel about uh, God and about the importance of pleasing God and serving God. But when we get up to the adulthood uh, place, the time of the sacrifice in Genesis 4, uh, we find that uh, Cain's sacrifice was rejected. All sorts of theories exist as to why God rejected the offering of Cain, but accepted Abel's offering. Some try to picture Cain as giving a small amount of grain and Abel giving generously. The scripture doesn't teach us that and uh, we don't have the liberty to elaborate where the scripture does not elaborate. But the uh, answer is made clear in the New Testament in Hebrews the 11th chapter and verse 4. The writer says that Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. Hebrews 11:4 By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So Cain differed in, with Abel in that he didn't listen to God when uh, God told him what and how. Uh, under the New Testament, we think of Romans ten seventeen, and we usually use it in, use it in regards to uh, teaching converting, but it's applicable to us 
throughout the entire process, not only of becoming a convert, but of also living the Christian life. Uh, Paul said in Romans ten seventeen, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Cain and Abel had the opportunity to hear the word of God directly from God. And uh, we're reminded in the event of their story that faith does come from God. Therefore, they must have heard through direct communication from God what pleased them. They knew there needed to be a sacrifice. Uh, Cain gave one that didn't please God, and Abel gave one that did please. And so they must have had instruction that came directly from God at some point. Abel chose to obey God. Cain offered something that he preferred, not God. And I think that's where the problem comes in throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament and right on down to our time when people decide to do what they prefer. Well, they think they can improve on what God has has set up. Nadab and Abihu would be a good example of that, the sons of Aaron. When the priesthood was first set up and God had given them a specific fire. Beyond that, we don't know. It was fire provided by God. Nadab and Abihu brought in a strange fire. And God sent down fire and consumed them, destroyed them for being disobedient. It's important that we serve God. And in the serving of God, we please God. We are not here to please ourselves. And Cain seemed to think that what he preferred... Uh, could take precedence. Cain might have thought the actual details didn't matter much, just as long as he offered something. There are people today that think and, and state it out loud, well, what, what difference does it matter as long as we're praising God? Or what difference does it matter long as uh, long as we're claiming Jesus as our Savior? What dis- difference does it matter as long as uh, the church uh, believes in the Bible? It matters a lot when we disobey God. Cain uh, may have offered a very impressive amount of fruit from the ground, uh, including grains and vegetables and specific fruit uh, from trees. He may have worked very hard to get this offering together, but it's not what God commanded, and his offering was clearly rejected, and he knew it. He realized it. You know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount uh, made the statement that not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to that, say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, depart from me. I never knew you. If we don't do what God said do, God does not know us. He does not recognize us. And when Cain's sacrifice was rejected, then he made the wrong reaction. Because it's not over till it's over. I used to work with a teacher and her uh, philosophy for the students in the classroom were, it's not wrong until you refuse to correct it. Well, God doesn't exactly put it that way, but when we do something wrong, there's a right reaction and a wrong reaction. At the moment that Cain knew that God did not buy his excuses or rationalizations, he could have said, I'm sorry, it's my fault, please forgive me, God. He could have said, that's what I deserve for trusting myself and going with my feelings instead of simply obeying your clear instructions, God. 
But have you ever thought of this? Cain did exactly what many people have done from the time, his time right on down to the present time. And even what we ourselves have at times also done. Instead of acknowledging that he was wrong, he bullheadedly goes his way. Well, if that's the way it's going to be, then that's the way it's going to be. We know what the Bible says, and if we don't follow God's instructions, Scripture condemns us. It's not the preacher that condemns us. It's not the elders that condemns us. It's, it's not the, the person in the church, the, the member who loves our soul and wants to see us saved that's condemning us. It's the Word of God. When our lives conflict, our actions conflict with God, what God instructs, it's the Bible that's condemning us. Solomon, Solomon observed the same trend in Proverbs 19 and verse 3. He said, The foolishness of man subverts his way, and his heart rages against the Lord. How fair is it, though, that you or I ignore God's instructions, uh, make a mess of our lives, and then in anger we want to blame God because He does not validate our, our choices? How fair can that be? We, do we expect God to uh, course correct, you know, like, like on the phones? We get the autocorrect, and it drives me crazy because it autocorrects what was already correct. But we want to do what we want to do, and then we want God to fix it for us. And a lot of times, children have that relationship with parents. They do things they shouldn't, and then they want their parent to fix it. It would be much simpler if we do it right the first time. But if we don't, then we admit we've done wrong, and we correct it. Many people simply want a God who will support them in whatever they decide to do. That's a God of our own making. That's idolatry. Because our God will not support us in whatever we want to do. Our God loves us and cares enough about us to expect us to do the right thing and to expect us to be obedient to Him. We find the same truth in Romans chapter 1 where people ignore clear instruction and the evidence from God they do their own thing, they end up in sin, and then they no longer have a desire to listen to God. People are no different now. I've known people in my lifetime that I, I, you watch them go in their youth from believing in God and being excited about Christianity, and, and then they get into a stagnant uh, way, and then they get into a worldly way, and then they get into a I-don't-care way, and they can always uh, tell you that where they went wrong was not their fault. Where Judas went wrong was his fault. He chose to betray uh, the Lord, and he was paid for it. And then when he realized he had done wrong, he took the payment back, and he went out and hanged himself. He didn't repent. Peter denied the Lord, and he felt very bad about it, but he repented. And God forgave him. The question God posed to Cain was, Why are you angry? This is a great question we need to ask of ourselves more often. When we're angry, why are we angry? If Cain would have just retraced his steps, he would see that not only was his anger completely unjustified, it was altogether misplaced. God had given him very simple instructions. What could be more difficult than being told what to do and how to do it and where to do it? 
And I'm sure God gave him all the instructions necessary to do what he needed to do. So many people forget that worship is for God and they want to engage in or offer the worship that instead pleases them or puts them in a position to receive acclamations that God should not have to share because they belong to Him alone. So they get, they get theatrical or they get musical and they get in a performing state of mind and they get glorified. And Jesus said to let our actions bring glory to God in heaven. Let our light so shine that men will see our good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. When we assemble together on the first day of the week or any other time as the church, for that matter, our intention should be to glorify God, to bring glory to God. Total intention. God said to Cain, if you do well, if you, if you, if you do well. See, God's extremely merciful and patient. He gives Cain a second chance to get it right. Also notice the connection that God places between feeling better and doing the right thing. Sometimes we do the right thing, and selfishly we might not feel better about it for a little while, but uh, feeling better and doing the right thing, uh, do I want to feel better is the question. I will, if I behave responsibly, work first, play later, help others, clean up my mess, organize my life, be productive, and use my time efficiently. As a young person growing up, I wasn't always happy when I was sent to do chores. But when I finished them, I felt pretty good because I'd done what my dad or my mom wanted me to do. Cain had an anger problem. Is is anger the problem? Was it the problem here? Is it the problem with us? One of the best things to remove anger is to get busy with, with meaningful projects, to be productive in what is right. When we get productive in the right thing, in, in what is right, in what pleases God, in what serves God, we can remove anger that was there before. Notice also how God God believes in Cain. God does not endorse Cain's rebellion or commend him for his unique and creative sacrifice. Rather, God believes that Cain can change. He believes that Cain can repent and obey. Notice that happiness is as simple as obeying. Once we obey God and we get the burden lifted, we acknowledge we've done wrong, we get ourselves in the light as He is in the light, then the happiness can come in when we've allowed God in in a proper way. Yes, God said to Cain, if you do well, He also said, but if you do not do well, See, God is both optimistic, Cain can change, and realistic, but Cain has the final choice. Things can either immediately get better, or we can throw additional gasoline on a problem and make it worse. Where there's no coal, the, the fire goes out, you want a problem in, don't keep feeding the fire. It's noteworthy how a simple act like worship can quickly deteriorate into personal chaos when our hearts are stubborn. Cain woke up that day and had the chance to worship God. 
to be right with God and to feel good about himself. It's like waking up on the first day of the week and thinking, what day is it? Oh, yes, it's Sunday. We should get excited. It's our opportunity to gather with the church, with brothers and sisters in Christ, to gather around the Lord's table, to sing songs of praise, to study from God's Word, to offer up prayers to God. It was a new day for Cain. He could serve God, he could worship God, or he could mess up the whole thing and end up a murderer. How often do we misuse very simple opportunities in life? Cain was told, sin is crouching at the door. It desires, its desires for you. While Satan would have it that for each of us, sin is crouching at the door, always waiting at the door, always looking for a way uh, to, to, to trip us up so that we'll fall. When we ignore God's will in one area, we open up a world of trouble, a world of hurt. Cain was making one wrong move after another. He could have still stopped at this point, but he was in very dangerous territory. <clears throat> he stepped over into complete disobedience, and then he had anger at God or anger at others. These things will make us vulnerable to being completely consumed by Satan. The deeper in we can get, the happier Satan is. When I worked with students at the middle school, one assistant principal used to lecture the kids that got in trouble. And, and one of the first things he'd say to them was, if you fall in a hole, do you try to climb out or you dig the hole deeper? Well, some of them got the message and some of them didn't. But in life, we can fall in the hole and we can either climb out or we can dig the hole deeper. We don't want to dig the hole deeper, but if we continue on a negative pattern, on a rebellion pattern, the hole will get deeper. And so we want to climb out. We don't want to make our problem worse. And God is always willing to listen when we're ready to say, I repent. Do we see our own little rebellious and fits of anger in, in such a serious light. Cain had a little rebellion, a little fit of anger, and it led to murdering his brother. We must be honest with ourselves, honest enough to see ourselves as God sees us. God said to Cain, you, you must master it. Get, get yourself under control. You know, we've all heard our parents say that. And God is saying to Cain, get yourself under control. You must master it. God is not going to intervene and make the decision for Cain. He didn't create us that way. Nor is God going to mysteriously remove his anger. God doesn't work that way. Only Cain can repent, and only Cain can turn himself around, and only Cain can come to terms with how ridiculous and unfounded his anger was. So how did Cain handle it? Cain told his brother. Well, what exactly did he tell his brother? It's likely the word told includes the entire conversation. God has just had with Cain. Cain goes and tells the whole story to Abel. The next thing we are told, that we are told, is that Cain kills, a, uh, kills his brother Abel. The logical inference seems to be that Cain uh, might have wanted Abel to take his side. W wanted Abel to say, oh, that's okay, brother. 
you did you did good you did good oh don't listen to that no Abel wasn't going to do that Cain probably was looking for sympathy or support from Abel like sinners often do perhaps he wanted Abel to say something soothing such as yeah God can be pretty unreasonable sometimes or God is impossible to please or I think it was really unfair that God did not accept your offering it looked really nice And it seems clear that Abel took God's side and simply agreed with what God had said. Why can't you just do what God told you to do? What is so hard about that? Or, God's right. Abel, you have no right to be angry. You would be thankful that God is giving you a second chance or stop being so stubborn. Abel would have given advice to Cain saying, you, you, you don't have the right to be angry. Don't be stubborn. Just tell God you repent, you're sorry. Well, we learn in the New Testament another thing about him in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 12. The writer says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Cain's deeds were evil. What is it Jesus said about it's not what goes into you that defiles you, it's what comes out of you. It's not what comes in and you process and discharge. It's what comes from your heart, what it originates, what issues with you. And Cain was allowing evil to originate in his heart and to come out into his life. John says things in in first john 3 12 that are very clarifying very refreshing about the whole story cain's problem was not his upbringing it wasn't his genetics it wasn't his environment or any number of other things that people use as an excuse factors that are excused to uh, used as excuses for rebellion in the lives of people Cain's altered sacrifice was rooted in evil, as all disobedience is. We must not fool ourselves. We cannot think that while the rebellion of other people is quite selfish, that somehow our rebellion is not selfish. When somebody is rebelling and they're wrong, it's, it's got to be selfish. You're wrapped up in self. It, it becomes all about me, and so I'm so selfish. I keep dwelling on dwelling on it. Or, or you're so wrapped up in it, you keep dwelling on it, dwelling on it. At the end of the day, Cain did not want to offer what God wanted. He did not want to control his anger, and he did not want to follow God's plan for feeling better. The consequences? Cain had started out to worship. He started out this this fine, bright day to worship God, but he had the wrong motivation. And then he ignored the chance to repent, and then he descended into a downward spiral. Instead of putting the brakes on, changing going the right way verse 8 he became a murderer Genesis 4 8 he refused to hear the truth so instead he killed the messenger he was a defiant smart mouth chapter 4 and verse 9 he complained that his punishment was too great even though his life had been spared Genesis 4 13 He became paranoid that what he did to Abel would be done to him, chapter 4, verse 14. But guess what? In verse 16 of chapter 4, he still refuses to repent. He goes out, he marries a woman, he has a family, 
and he starts a long family line that ignores God. Genesis chapter 4, verse 17 through 25. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Erad, and Erad beget Mahuel. Mahuel beget Methusiel. Methusiel beget Lamech, and Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal, and he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Namah. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain be avenged, truly sevenfold. If Cain be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son. She called his name Seth. For God said, "She hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew." Cain left the event of murdering his brother, and things just went from bad to worse. His attitude did not change. And with that kind of attitude, he could not have passed on a very good attitude about God to his offspring. And when you think about Cain's attitude, it eventually had a lot to do with the corruption of everyone else. In Genesis 6, 1 through 5, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It would appear that Abel's children and grandchildren, the majority, were a faithful group, a faithful race. In contrast to Cain's lineage, and yet Abel's family members, referred to as the the sons of God, they saw the daughters of men, the daughters of Cain's lineage, those who weren't serving God, and they were fair, and so they took them wives. And a believer marrying an unbeliever creates a dangerous situation, especially for those that come after, for the children and the grandchildren, because somewhere God will be left out. Well, Cain didn't want God in his life. He was in rebellion, and and he raised his family, and they raised theirs, and they raised theirs. And by the time you get down to Genesis chapter 6, it begins uh, talking about the differences in behavior. And ultimately, the whole world was affected enough to where God decided he needed to eliminate the human race and start over. And you know, when he talks about Cain's son Enoch, it's, this is not the Enoch that we know. The Enoch that we know is in, in uh, Seth's lineage. And he's the one who walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. And the Enoch in 
in Seth's lineage was the father of Methuselah. And Methuselah died just before the flood, but Methuselah was Noah's grandfather. And so you can see that there was righteousness being taught, but it got down to a very fine point there when only eight souls were saved by water. We conclude our lesson at that point, and we hope that it's helpful with you in your Thursday evening studies. But even more so, we hope that it's helpful to someone in their examination of their life this morning. Our life is about pleasing God. Our lives are about serving God. God gives us a very definite plan of salvation in the New Testament. And when we say, oh, I have a better way, we're not going to be pleasing to God. Or when we say, well, I don't want to do that right now because I want to sow some wild oats or, or I want to see a little longer, I want to wait a little longer. We learn in the New Testament that when uh, someone was taught the gospel, it was urgent to obey. We, we find people going the same day, the same hour of the night. It was an immediate response. We find people being baptized in a desert place. As soon as they saw enough water, they'd stop the preacher and wanted to get out and get baptized. God tells us what, when, where, and how. He gives us all the detail, and we have no right to change any of it. Because everything that God expects... He's granted. So when we hear the gospel, which is in abundance, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and we hear the preaching of the gospel, it's time to repent of our sins, confess Christ, be buried with Him in baptism, be raised to a new life, and live faithful unto death, and then go to live eternally with God and with His Son and with the Holy Spirit and with all the righteous who have gone on before. If you hear this... Uh, this morning, this afternoon, whatever time it is you're listening to the tape. If, you, if you're a Christian that hasn't kept your commitment, you need to repent, pray and recommit your life. Whatever your need is, feel free to get in contact either by uh, the church email or uh, by my phone number. And uh, we'll, we'll assist you in whatever way we can. Thank you.